Hey there, horror movie fans. Welcome back to Here's a Mimi Horror Movie Podcast. So, I know that today is not Sunday, but we're going to pretend that today is Sunday because everything that is going on every day seems like the next. As well as a tornado coming last night, so, you know, I think it's it's safe to say that at this point in life, we can just pretend anything we want until we, um, kind of hit back a reality that uh, has been kind of missing for a minute. So with all this being said, we are going to travel back to uh, two weeks after the Oscars, just just for this episode today that I meant to do very, very long ago. So let us get started. First, I would like to quickly touch on my Oscar special, which I must say, I got one guess correctly, okay? So congrats again, Joaquin, and beautiful speech. But I must admit, it was a very shocking night for all, and you know it was shocking too. So, yeah, I think we need to talk about the best picture winner, Parasite, okay? Now, let me tell you, the weekend after the Oscars, you found me at the only movie theater that was showing it. Isolated myself in the downstage, okay? And, well, I mean, like, the closest to the screen, and prepared with my highest expectations. And I was not disappointed. Parasite, directed by Bong Joon-ho, is a comic tragedy that really focuses on the lives of a poor family in South Korea, the Kims, and how they, you know, con their way into being the servants of a rich family, the Parks, which really it sounds like a rich family name, yeah. Though, as you know, the story continues, the Kims' easy life turns very complicated with their deception you know, becomes threatened with exposure. The most obvious observation is that this film heavily touches on the corruption of capitalism within the country, but the real question is, who are the true parasites? And no, it's not the stink bugs that the Kims, you know, try to get rid of, and for free since fumigation airs the streets. This is actually the opening of the film. And you can already see that they neglect their health because they lack the accessibility to be able to afford simple necessities. I mean, even their neighbor changing their Wi-Fi is detrimental to them, although we may not see it that way. The Kim family live in the lowest part of parts, already signifying where they stand socially. With all this being said, there is an element of the Kim family that Life has beaten them down and produced this underlying laziness. Example, you know, when folding the pizza boxes. Okay, so before I continue any further, actually, let's establish some characters first. With the Kim family. The father, who is Kai Tech, the mother, who is Chung Suk, the son, who is Ki Woo, and the daughter, who is Ki Jung. Wonderful. So, Kiwoo's friend, Min Hook, or we're just going to call him Min, who went to college and works as a tutor for the daughter of the Park family, Dai Hoo. Uh, so, Min Hook is about to study abroad, so of course he asked Kiwoo if he would be, you know, Dai Hoo's temporary tutor till he returns. And let's not forget, Min Hook has eyes for the rich daughter and plans on going steady when he returns, which is why he offers the job to Ki Woo. Trust. But Ki Woo has to pretend to be a college student. 
and he is lucky his sister Ki Jung got talent and forged him a certificate. Also to mention, Ki Woo actually does fall in love with Dai Hu, even though he knows his best friend is in love. And it's so crazy to see kind of the cycle continue. He has the same motives as his friend does, who is gone studying abroad, knowing that their economical divide can be very challenging. But as he tries to conform to that, he believes that he can access his way through, even though he cannot. And his sister actually seems like she could conform easier and much more smoother into a rich lifestyle. And he knows that and becomes extremely insecure about himself, even to the point where he asks Dai Hu if you know, he is good enough if he could fit into the family. I mean, just to even say that thought out loud already shows you the insecurity of just what paper could do. It's so intriguing to kind of see that moment. And she doesn't really see anything with it. So we don't really even know the true motives of this girl. But we see the pureness in Ki Woo. So it's it's definitely something to think about, something interesting that was inputted into the film that I really kind of wanted to share my two cents about. Loki, me, and Daihu got some stuff in common, so I get it, I get it. But another noted moment, you know, while it is forged, Ki Woo informs his dad that it is only temporary and that he does plan on attending university in the near future. Now let's flip to the contrast as we are now introduced to the Park family. So let's do roll call one more time. So we have the father, Dong Ik. We have the mom, Yeon Gai. And then the son, we have Da Song and the daughter, Da Hai. If I am pronouncing any of these wrong, please forgive my ignorance. I am so sorry. Also, we have the housekeeper, Moon Gaung. Now I know it's a lot, I'm sorry, I just, I just feel putting all this together it just makes it easier for me to kind of go through with it and you guys to follow along. So as we approach the Park family, we see a much higher ground level, since it appears to be going uphill, secluded only to the houses around it, barricaded, as if an imaginary dome covers it so no one below them, literally and socially, could enter. Now rewatch the movie with that in mind. Money is the true barrier. Now, let's stay on this direction of symbolism because, you know, it's all so metaphorical. It's already known to all that Parasite deserves its praise due to its cinematic language instead of traditional spoken, okay? Just put the film side by side when examining both families. You see differences in lighting and shots that help drive the economic divide. Okay, Min brings the Kim family a scholar stone, which is supposed to bring success and good fortunes to those who possess it, which works in the beginning. But before I continue, Min is a middleman, a messenger that closes the gap between the two social classes, which really emphasizes in just the coffee scene alone, his appearance is of a wealthier status, but he tries to conform to Ki Woo, you know, when they're together, you know, per se. When Ki Woo is meeting with um, Yongai, the parasite slowly starts infecting its host, 
aka slowly begins constructing the family in order to get them all jobs at the Park family. We may have started with Ki Woo, but his sister Ki Jung then infiltrates, and same goes for both their mother and their father, all attaching to its host and pretending they all aren't related. Funny enough, actor Song Kong Ho, the father of the Kim family, was also in the horror film The Host. Haha. <laughs> but seriously, we need to talk about the secret underground bunker. So the story goes, the previous owner of the Park family home built the secret bunker and neglected to tell the family when they moved in. But the original housekeeper, uh, Moon Gong, worked for the previous owner and knew of its existence and whereabouts, leading to the big secret reveal that she has been secretly hiding her high-in-debt husband for four years. I mean, as the audience being introduced to this place, it is truly the lowest of the lowest places. It only further degrades and divides people socially and literally. It's dark, shallow light, no sun, minimal food that is only provided with uncertainty of arrival. A place of lost hope and broken spirits. It's a literal prison, but to them, it's better than death. To me, one of the deepest and truly sorrowful moments in terms of human nature and their decisions is when Moon Gaung and her husband, Jun Sai, plead to the Kim family to keep their secret and help them. One poverty-stricken family to another. But no, no, the Kim family looks at this as a threat, reacting to them as if they are parasites that will ruin and destroy everything for them. To be fair, Chung Suk manipulated and stole the job from Moon Gaung. Then go on to accidentally kill her and not kill her husband. I'm not condoning killing or anything, but this is where people mess up, especially known in the horror genre. For all my Walking Dead fans, you know that's true. And they always come back and it turns to hell and someone ends up dead. Mm-hmm. You know I'm right. In this instance, it resulted in, uh, you know, Gunstai eventually escaping and causing chaos at Daesung's birthday party and resulting in the demise of Ki Jong. I know. I got way ahead of myself. Let's rewind and play. <sighs> After Moon Gang's death, the Kim family have to quickly head home due to the early return of the Park family from their camping trip, only to realize that they are caught in a storm, you know, in a massive swarm of those around them, clutching to water they can grab as they see their houses being flooded in a, a wasteland, just as society sees them. And the water is just a sign of purifying the dirt or the mistakes. The dream the Kim family were living in washed away remembering who they really are. When someone gets even the littlest taste of sweetness, sometimes it's not enough. Either way, once you remove it all, your senses go back and even can turn sour, but not for Ki Woo. When he is in the midst of his flooded home and at you know, the gym they sought refuge after, he continued to cling to that scholar's stone continuing to want to strive for that success 
that dream. <sighs> there are so much political examples and symbolism throughout, especially moving forward. During the storm, the poor, it basically equals truly have nothing. All they can do is wait while we see the rich have accessibility, such as raincoats, drains to catch the rain off, a shelter of their own with dry towels. I mean, I don't even think Bong Joon-ho made it any more obvious. The next morning, the park, the park family, you know, wakes up inside their own home. Or Yun Gao in front of a vanity, to be exact. While the Kim family at the gym. Yun Gao is casually looking in her huge closet for something nice to wear. And the Kim family are waiting their turn to look at a mountain-sized pile of clothes. Just to find something to wear and pray to God it fits. You see, the storm is just a natural occurrence. It was going to happen regardless. But the effect of the storm is where the true destruction lies. Of course, depending on your social economical status in society. I don't think I can stress this enough, but the film gives a fair representation of both sides of the spectrum, even showing us their potential. What I mean by this is the high level of intelligence seen in the Kim family, both arts and academics, but the Park family can achieve that through accessibility, such as tutors and teachers, and well education as a whole. Book smart versus street smart. Irregardless, the rich still live in their own. Virtual reality, you can say. Well, actually, it makes the most sense since Dong Ik works for a company such as. I mean, at the end of the day, all they want to do is build a better life for their loved ones. Either it involves getting handed a silver spoon or being the one that hands it. The lower class or middle class take care of the upper class, whether with cooking, cleaning, childcare, and more on top. Honestly, this is why I think the average person is a lot happier in life. Just my two cents. But money makes you nice. You could look at it from a humanistic approach or equal thought. Both families, you know, need each other to restore this somewhat twisted balance. But that's life. It's not fair. As we hit the cinematic ending, we see the irony take form once again, in a more devastating take than prior. This is why I love this film. God, it's so cynical. I'm so cynical. As I disruptedly mentioned earlier, Gunsai escapes and goes to attack the Kim family at the party. Not before hitting Ki-woo over the head with his own Scholar Stone. I swear I thought he died and, you know, Ki Jung would live since she only got stabbed. Do you hear me right now? Only. Oh my god. But this violent scene just goes to show that no one is safe. We all bleed red at the end of the day. Gunsai is killed, but a shift occurs as Ki Tech is trying to help his daughter. Dong Ik is yelling at him to help his son who went into shock. A pure dirt moment, raw and unsettling. Then the smell. One big theme that presents itself throughout the film was this notion of you can't cover up who you are. Kai Tech has to play a role, but his smell of struggle will never leave him. In a sense, gives him away. Kai Tech refuses to let himself be taken down again. 
I mean, we have to remember he was recognized and prized in his youth as an athlete. Dong Ik makes his disgust face once again, especially at a time like this. So Kai Tech turns him into what every human inevitably becomes a corpse. The incident happened, casualties on both ends. But it's the outcome of the aftermath that differs. Yes, we may not see what happened to the parks, but what we do see is a new family moving into the home. Oblivious, carefree, happy. Then we see the Kim family, well, just Kiwu and his mother, you know, left, went on trial, and then the father's in hiding, and where, you may ask? The hidden bunker, secluded. He lost everything. And if he is found, he's a dead man walking. Sound familiar? Kiwu slowly recovers in the hospital, and we are presented with this montage of Kiwu getting a bit older and through hard work and no games, buys the park's house and tells his father he can come out. Rebuild a family and have a life for them they have always dreamed of for so long. But that's all it was a dream. Kaitek remains in hiding, remorsing over his loss and the outcome of his life. Ki Jung, you know, buried or cremated. A loss of someone who could have made a change, but we'd never know. Ki Wu, who continues to write letters to his father with no response, continuing to discuss his dream he has. That, well, would never happen. No, really, the director said it himself. It would take Ki Wu 564 years to make enough to afford the park's old home. And the cycle of life continues on. On a lighthearted note to end, the funniest scene to me had to be the drunkard peeing in the streets and the slow motion of, you know, the breakup encounter with the music. Ah, something I would do. Until next time, ciao now, or annyeonghaseyo.